So John 14, 12, I'm going to read it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. This is a pretty amazing statement by Jesus. I mean, to think that Jesus is saying we will do the works that he did and even greater works um, is pretty amazing. It would be especially hard to believe if not for the additional statement he makes a few verses later. In verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, never, it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus tells us that we can be filled, overflowing with God, overflowing because he says, you will do great things as I have done. This sounds to me like a slam dunk for the church to make just incredible, powerful impact into the wor- in the world. Um, the believers, the church, uh, we should all be an incredible, incredible force. But I have a question. Why does the church often seem so weak? Why... Why are the great works of God not really taking place in my life like it seems like they should? I mean, Jesus says it. We just read it. Jesus says it. Whoever believes in me will also do the great works that I have done, and even greater. Why is it that sometimes the spiritual depth and commitment of believers seems to be so shallow? Well, I want to tell a story about when I was in junior high, about sixth or seventh grade. Um, I knew how to swim, but I was uh, afraid of the deep. And so my family, we didn't, go on, uh, we didn't go on vacations much, but we had a little weekend vacation. Basically, we went to a, a cheap motel, and uh, it had a swimming pool. And uh, so the first afternoon, we were out of the swimming pool, and of course, I'm in the shallow kiddie pool end where it's safe. Um, I have a seven, uh, a, a sister who's seven years younger than me. So my sister and my mother and her father were sitting on the edge of the pool while I'm waiting around in the, in the shallow. And out of kind of nowhere, my sister jumps up, runs along the edge of the pool, and jumps into the deep end. Well, everyone was pretty concerned because my sister had never done that before. She knew how to swim a little bit, but had never been in the deep end. And she pops up, and she swims all the way to the edge of the pool. And she climbs out of the edge of the pool, and she starts laughing, and she says, wow, that was fun. And so everyone's kind of relieved. And it's not 30 seconds later that my sister uh, takes off running again along the edge of the pool, and she jumps into the middle of the deep end again. And she pops up, and she swims over to the edge. Well, this time... My parents are excited, and they're laughing, and she's excited, and she's laughing, and I'm not so excited. I'm not so excited because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed because I'm seven years older. It's my baby sister, and she's in the deep end, and I'm still waiting in the shallow. Well, this was kind of a pivotal moment for me in my swimming career. Um, I had to decide whether my desire for the safety of the shallow end 
was going to become less than my desire, my desire to overcome this, the fear of swimming in the deep. And I made that decision pretty quickly, thanks to my sister challenging me, even though I don't know that she realized that she was, and probably thanks also to a little teasing from my dad. But I jumped out of the pool, ran just like my sister along the edge, and jumped into the deep. And I'll be honest, that first dive in as I was sinking down, I was pretty nervous. I was a little scared. And as my feet were kicking in the freedom of the deep water, I realized I was swimming. And even though there was, uh, I was a little scared, uh, it was exhilarating. It was exciting. And I swam to the edge. And um, from that point on, you know, I've really not spent much time in the kiddie pool anymore. Um, once I knew the freedom and the exhilaration of the deep, and I got over my fear. Um, I, I, stay in the, I stay in the deep waters now, not the kiddie pool. Well, I'm sharing that story because I'm, I'm wondering, uh, going back to why is it that we're not making an impact like Jesus made an impact when he was on earth as a church and as God's people? And I'm wondering, is our desire for the safety of the, shallow, the shallows, um, is that overwhelming us? And are we afraid to go into the deep waters with, with God? And when I say spiritual shadows, you, 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 can, you can come up with your own definition of what that might look like. But just a few things. You know, to me, spiritual shallows is just showing up. You know, if you just show up, maybe you show up to church. Or you do what works for you on your timing, at your comfort level, at your convenience. If you're just kind of going through the motions, that's, that may be the spiritual shallows. The deep, the deep is growing in Christ. It's being willing to take a risk, willing to sacrifice. Stepping out in faith, especially when you're, when you're not sure. You feel that God is calling you, but you're not sure how it's going to work out. You can't do it on your own. So where are you? Where are you? Are you in the spiritual shallows or are you in the deep? You know, for some of us, we've been in the, in the shallows forever. We've never really come out of them. You know, we become, we've, we become one in Christ. We give our lives to Christ, and we're excited, and then we stay there, and we never leave. For others, we've moved into the deep, but for whatever reason, got tired, maybe we felt disappointed, and we started moving back to the shallows. And to be honest with you, this is an important message for me because I feel like I'm drifting back toward the shallows and I don't want to go there. So I hope some of you will encourage one another and encourage me not to do that. Some of us go back to the shallows because we're going there to teach and to encourage and to model. And that's fantastic because people who are new in the relationship with Christ, they need that nurturing. But the purpose of that is to never stay there in the shallow water. It's to move back into the deep. Some of us, I fear, are in the shallow because that's where all our friends are moving. We're all moving to the shallows, to the comforts. And so we think, why not? Let's go there. Well, I want to say right now, 
that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you need to be moving into the deep waters of life with God. It is limitless where we can go spiritually in Christ. Jesus said it. This is not me talking. Jesus said it. We can go to places that we never could ever imagine going. What we can do for the kingdom and for the glory of God and for the good of others is limitless. We just need to move toward it. And have you not noticed that the world seems to be pretty lost right now? Has anybody noticed that? This isn't just about you getting your life moving to deeper places with God. This is about the world. This is about your kids. This is about our youth group here at the church. This is about the college students in Acts. You know, we're in a complex world that in a lot of ways is moving further and further away from God. Especially our youth. They need to be mentored to the deep. What are we modeling to them? Are we modeling to be churchgoers or to be deep disciples of Christ? Deep disciples of Christ, willing to go and to do whatever the Spirit leads. You know, these desires to live in the shallows, um, they're a product of the flesh. And so they will battle us in our life. I'm not saying that this is easy. Paul, in Romans 7, even admits to this battle and he goes back and forth about what I want to do, I don't do. He even concludes, what a wretched man that I am. But he never gives in to sin. He never settles for shallow living. He seeks deliverance, and he seeks victory, and he finds it, and he reminds himself, and he reminds us when he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look, Jesus broke the chains that hold us to the shallow. Jesus broke the chains that hold us to the shallows. Look, uh, this year has been pretty amazing in Acts. We have a lot of college students that are jumping into the deep waters. They are jumping in. But you know, to be honest with you, there are not a lot of older Christians to greet them there and to walk alongside them. And to be even more honest with you, some of them are in deep waters that I haven't been in a while. And so I'm, tr- I'm trying to convince myself and encourage myself and challenge myself to swim out there with them because they are seeking mentors. They're seeking people to walk along with them. And so I want to encourage us to greet them in the deep waters, not in the shallow waters, asking to pull them back to us. And greeting them in the deep means not just showing up, it means living out the way of Jesus. And we're called to that in 1 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to read starting in verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work 
each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So I read this and I wonder, are we here just to get saved ourselves? Is that what it's about? Are we wanting to punch our ticket to heaven and then coast through the rest of our life? Is that what we wanted to do? Because that's the shallows. And you know what? That doesn't sound like Christ to me. And that doesn't really sound like a Christ follower either, does it? So I'm not sure what that is. Someone who's in that place. So let's build on the foundation. And the foundation is Christ. But let's build on it with gold and with silver and with precious stone, not with hay or with straw. Remember back in John 14, Jesus said, With him, the Son at the right hand of the Father, and the Spirit in us, we are capable of doing great works, as Jesus did and even greater. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, as a reminder, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? You see, we can do this. We can be this as a people and as God's church. God does and God will fill us up, overflowing, so that we impact the world for God's glory and God's good. We don't have to earn that. We don't have to have a grand strategy. We just need to let him fill us up and overflow. It's freely given. There is one catch. And I'm going to share that right now. And this is important. God can only fill us up. God can only fill us up when we are not full of ourselves. God can only fill us up when we are not full of of ourselves. In John 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, this doesn't mean we are to be useless. That's not what John's saying. We're talking about John the Baptist here, right? The forerunner of Christ. No one more devoted than John the Baptist. And he's saying, He must, He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Not saying we are to be useless and nothing. Because in verse 34, just a few verses later, it says, For he, Jesus, whom God has sent, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. You see, we decrease that God, Christ in us, may increase. Christ in us. So we're not becoming less of anything, we're becoming more of Christ. We decrease so that he may increase in us, fill us up, overflowing. Now, if in reality, if in reality, we are actually living a life the opposite of that, what I'm about to say, probably no one would say, but if we're actually living this way, where I must increase and he must decrease, then God will not fill us overflowing. He will not fill us overflowing because we're going to be too full of ourselves. There's no room. I want to give a couple examples. 
hopefully to encourage us not to be full of ourselves. Here's a couple biblical examples of people full of themselves. Judas Iscariot. John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. He's concerned, if you've read this before, Judas is concerned about the expensive ointment being poured on Jesus' feet by Mary. And he said, well, that could be given to the poor. You see, that's, that's, a, religious, that's a religious idea. That sounds like a godly idea. Hey, we could give this, this to, to the poor. That would help. But he isn't, in reality, concerned about the poor. What he's concerned about is the money that goes in the money bags because he's stealing from it. You see, Judas is not worried about doing things for God. He's, he's full of himself. This is a selfish reason. Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8, verses 18. The Holy Spirit was being given out. And, 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 and Simon, he wanted to pay money to receive the Holy Spirit. Again, receiving the Holy Spirit is a good thing, right? I mean, I want the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit. So why is this bad? It's bad because the only reason Simon wanted it was for his own good, so that he could manipulate other people like he had been doing. He wanted the Holy Spirit for his purposes, for his power. He was full of himself. Those are our models for being full of ourselves. Full of the Spirit, we have plenty of models. Paul, in Acts chapter 9. Remember, the scales fall from his eyes, and he's baptized into Christ. He goes from a persecutor of the way to a servant and a teacher and a, and a man who praises God. He puts aside all the privileges of the world that he had, and he had many, his position, his power, his accomplishments, none of it. He called it rubbish. He was full of the Spirit. And how about Stephen in Acts chapter 7? He served widows, and he was preaching, even to the point of being stoned to death. And it says in the midst of the stoning, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, do I really want to be full of the Spirit? He got stoned. God was with him all the way through that because it says he saw the glory of God. I don't know that Stephen even felt any pain during that time because while he was being stoned, God revealed to him his glory. Okay, if we decide not to be full of ourselves then we know we're never alone. We know we're never alone. God is with us. This we can trust. In Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We can trust God the Father. We can trust that when we dive into the deep, though times it's scary, our Father will be with us. That story I told earlier about swimming, I guarantee you, if my sister would have jumped into the deep and couldn't have made it to the edge, my dad would have jumped in and saved her. If I would have jumped into the deep and I couldn't swim to the edge, my dad would have jumped in and he would have saved me. And God the Father would do that too. And there are times, you know what, there are times when we feel like we don't hear God. We're calling out to him when we don't think he's going to come through. But he's proven that. He proved it at the cross through Jesus. We can trust God. He's already proved it, that when things go wrong, he will jump in to save us. 
Well, trust is still hard. Trust is still hard. Because in the world, the deceiver is active. The deceiver is active in spreading confusion, discouragement, and fear. And in order to have trust, we need to see with spiritual eyes. We need to see with spiritual eyes. We must remember there are things going on around us and in our world that we just don't always fully see. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, Elijah was trying to help his servant see that. It says the servant saw the enemy surrounded them. It looked hopeless. And he says, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And Elijah prays. He says, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the, and the Lord opens the eyes of the servant, and the servant sees the army of the Lord, invisible before and now revealed to him. And he realizes that God is with them. So God is with us. We need to open our spiritual eyes. We need to sit at his table. We need to trust him, receive his anointing, allow our cup to overflow. He will fill us up overflowing. Jesus made that promise to us. As long as we're not full of ourselves. So if we're not feeling like God is filling us up, maybe we need to take a look at how much of ourselves might be in the way. Well, here's my question. What's it going to be for you? What is it going to be for you? Are you going to hang in the shallow? Or are you going to swim in the deep? Who are your mentors going to be? Judas Iscariot? Simon the sorcerer, or the likes of Paul and Stephen? Because your decision has an impact on more than yourself. Your decision has an impact on more than just you. It has an impact on me. And I'm asking you right now to swim in the deep because I need to see it among my brothers and sisters. I need to be encouraged in it. But it's not just me and it's not just you. It's the world around us. It's our kids. Again, it's the youth group here. It's the college students. Let's all jump into the deep end with Jesus. It's going to be scary. It's going to be a battle because of the flesh. But Jesus said he would be with us. God said he would be with us. Let's do it. Let's jump in together. Let's pray. Lord God, my prayer is that we choose to fully trust, that we not be full of ourselves, so that you can fill us overflowing and that we, as individuals, but especially as the church, as a people, as your people, that we would do great things, Lord, for your glory and for your good, for ourselves but especially for those around us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give us faith, that you give us trust, and you help us not to be so full of ourselves that there's no room for you. Lord, I pray that we never be satisfied with living shallow, spiritual lives, but that we draw near in deep communion and fellowship with you. And Lord, where we lack faith, I pray that you give it. In the name of Jesus, 
Amen.